Hello again, Nightmare Society. A big welcome to our newest official members of the Nightmare Society online campfire, Sasha P., William, and Regina C.A. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Glad to have you. For those of you who are interested in showing your support for the podcast as well, you can check out the different levels of membership over on patreon.com slash nightmare society. Membership is as low as a dollar a month, up to five or more dollars a month where you unlock the coveted bonus episodes. Thanks to everyone over there for keeping the fire going. Another huge thanks goes to user Rome London Paris for sharing their terrifying story. There will be a pause on your regularly scheduled broadcast next week. I.e., there's not going to be an episode next week, unless I somehow pull off a feat of time warp, as I have an extremely large list of things I have to do next week. I will be back the following week, however. For the top tier members over at the online campfire, I already have a bonus episode loaded up and ready to be released next week. So hopefully that should hold you over until the following week. If you're anywhere near the southeast of the United States where I'm recording today, you may be experiencing a pretty intense thunderstorm. And for those of you who are not, I've created one for you in today's episode. Now, get comfy and prepare yourself for another episode of The Nightmare Society. This was a long time ago, before cell phones were prevalent, and I was a mom in my early 30s who had just driven our kids to the pediatrician. The Macon, Georgia doctor's office was an hour away from our home, and I was just taking the two youngest of my three, then ages one and three years old, to our scheduled appointment. Because we lived so far away, their office always gave us the last two appointments of the day, and we were grateful. The doctor had just built a new building off of a fresh spur of the highway, so the location was quite isolated in every direction, but a very nice facility compared to his old spot by the hospital. His new building was also pretty far back on the new lot, and my car, a black Jeep Cherokee we had owned for two years, was one of only four or five cars in the parking lot when we got there. I parked near the front door, removed the kids from their car seats, and for the next hour or so we waited, then saw the doctor, paid, and finally exited back outside. Mine was the only car left in the lot as I loaded the children in their car seats for our trip home. But as the receptionist locked the front glass doors, my car somehow wouldn't start when I turned the key. There was just an odd clicking noise. Gathering the children once again, I knocked on the door until someone allowed us back in and asked to borrow their phone to call a nearby garage for service. 
I found one in the phone book, and the man said that he would come out, but that it might be a bit. So I told him my location, left to go back out to the car, rolled down all the windows, and loaded the children back into their seats once more as we waited. Soon we watched as all the lights were turned out in the building again, and everyone left, their cars departing one by one from behind the building somewhere leaving us now completely alone in the parking lot. As it was still light, I spent a lot of that time trying to tend to the children, digging through our car for snacks and a bottle, making sure that they weren't getting too hot, etc. Although the service station attendant said that it was probably going to be quite a while, I was presently surprised when a truck pulled into the empty parking lot pretty soon, and a man got out of his pickup smiled and nodded to me and said he was going to raise the hood. He was middle-aged and a bit scruffy, but quite frankly many gas station attendants sometimes look that way, especially by the end of the day, and I was grateful when he began doing something under the hood almost immediately. I sat down again in the driver's seat with the door open, waiting for him to tell me to try the engine but he seemed to be taking a long time checking the connections, and I longed for him just to grab jumper cables. Yet, he never did. Without getting out of the car, I asked him what he thought was wrong, and he said, Oh, it's just a loose wire, not the battery. And continued whatever he was doing. I couldn't see his face at all from where I was sitting but his hands were slightly visible through that long horizontal slit between the windshield and the raised hood as we waited. More than once he said that it was merely a loose wire and if I would just go up there really quick he would show me which one it was so it would never happen again. I remember kind of smiling and shaking my head saying that sadly there was no reason to show me anything as I didn't know anything about cars. I just thanked him and continued to stay in the driver's seat, again just waiting for the inevitable signal to try to start the ignition that was most surely coming at any moment. At one point I remember thinking that he was definitely flirting as he spoke, but I was trying above all to be polite and kind as he was indeed helping us. We were hot and tired and miserable and truthfully I was distracted with the kids. Oddly enough, he was starting to sound a little frustrated with me because I wouldn't come up and look at the engine. I remember thinking that I certainly didn't want to make him mad where he left us there all alone, with the sun sinking so quickly. And then the strangest thing happened. Another truck suddenly pulled up into that desolate parking lot, and as it did, this nice guy working underneath my hood suddenly slammed it shut, ran to his truck, started it, and drove away very quickly, without even saying a word goodbye. I was both confused and a little anxious when he did this, because I didn't know who was now arriving. I even remember feeling a little frightened that he had suddenly left me there alone with these two little ones, defenseless. Why wouldn't he at least stay and speak to whoever was parking next to me now? 
It certainly seemed the southerly gentleman thing to do. I looked around and was very aware once again that there were no visible cars on the road, no homes or businesses nearby, and the sun was continuing to set quickly. As this new, also unmarked pickup truck pulled next to me, I got out of the car once again, this time more apprehensively. Upon exiting though, he immediately introduced himself, and his name and voice seemed to match who I had spoken to on the phone much earlier. He then actually called me by name, apologized for being so late, and finally smiled and stared towards the road, pointing and asking who the man was that had just left so suddenly. Relieved and unfazed, I just smiled back in surprise and told him, well, I don't know. I thought all this time he was you. 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 And we both laughed slightly as he then grabbed jumper cables, walked to the front of my car, raised the hood, and started to work. I immediately sat back in the driver's seat once more, suddenly grateful that with luck, that air conditioner would be blowing full blast shortly and once again checking the children. While listening for the familiar words, Go ahead and try it. I had my back completely turned towards the children when he surprised me by suddenly coming to the driver's side door. In the strangest voice, he said, Uh, ma'am, is this yours? When I looked into his hands, he was holding a long, thin, dagger-like looking device that was about a foot and a half in length. It appeared to be very old and covered with reddish dust. On one end it had tiny circular small finger holes, as if it was a mix of a long thin sword and scissors, oddly combined. I remember being amazed but not frightened and I asked where he had found them. Under the hood? He replied, Under the hood. Just as matter-of-factly, I said that I had never seen them before. But how weird was it that those things had somehow been stuck and undiscovered in my car for all these years, and shook my head in surprise. He continued to stand there and stare at them, unbelievingly, and he looked oddly pale too, like he couldn't find the words to speak for a bit, just continuing to stare at the unusual object. Honestly, I didn't care one bit about it. All I could think of was getting the car going, letting me pay him, and whatever the cost was, and leaving. He didn't say anything else just quickly set them on the curb, started his truck, and then signaled for me to start the jeep. And when it immediately caught, my three-year-old cheered. Grateful, I quickly turned on the air conditioner full blast, rolled up all the windows, aimed the air vents towards the back seat, and reached for my purse to pay out. I stood up and took a few steps to meet him so I could hear the amount now owed. With both of our vehicles running, he came back around to my driver's side, but instead of handing me the bill, 
He irritated me a bit by walking right past me and picking up that weird object once more. Uh, ma'am? He said slowly. I want you to look at these one more time. And held them out for closer inspection. This time I moved a bit closer and actually really looked. In his hands, the item still appeared incredibly large possessing an almost bayonet-looking quality, except for the strangely small two loops on one end. I had never seen anything like it, and told him so. As he held it, he spoke quietly and slowly to me, as if trying desperately to make me understand something that was somehow still going over my head. These weren't hidden somewhere in the engine, Ma'am, they hadn't been there for very long at all, cause they were sitting right on top. They must have just been put there. I shook my head no and half smiled as I said, But they're obviously very old and rusty. To which he pointed more closely and replied, Yeah... But, you see how sharp they are? These look like they just been sharpened. And when I looked down, he was right. The long, skinny, dagger-like shape was unusual. But by far the oddest quality was just how sharp it appeared to be. The edges at the tip where the rust had been removed were gleaming like silver. As I paid him, his final words to me were, Ma'am, I don't know what was about to happen here, but I'm really glad I pulled up when I did. He quietly thanked me when taking the payment, told me that I probably needed to call the police when I got home, and then asked me where I wanted the item. I didn't want to touch it, didn't want to take it at all, but I released the back window so he could place it inside. We both then left the lot together, him turning one way, me turning the other towards the small winding highway that would lead me home, still an hour away. I did indeed contact the Macon police the moment we arrived home, and I got the children inside safely. But although they listened politely, they declined when I offered to bring the scissor-like thing to them later. The officer I spoke to said that they sounded as if they were, quote, specialized surgical shears from my description and measurements on the phone, which I found quite disturbing, as you can imagine. I remember wondering how he would have known that why he would say that. I had tried so carefully not to touch any of the surfaces, hoping that they might be able to lift prints or test it for blood if they wanted, but the story seemed to bore him a bit, and he didn't seem interested. His attitude insinuated that as there was no longer an emergency, it was of no importance now. At the very end of the call, as if to wind things up, he did say that it sounded as if I was very lucky, and that I might want to keep the shears for a few days. Quote, 
just in case someone from his office got back with me later. But that was it. I wrapped them carefully in newspaper and placed them in the brick storage unit behind our house, and there they remained for several more years, untouched, until we moved away and I finally, not wanting to bring them across several states, reluctantly threw them in the trash. Around that time though, if you look through old news reports, women were going missing all over Georgia. Some bodies were eventually found, but others remain missing to this very day. I have often wondered what would have happened if the service station attendant hadn't arrived when he did. If my children would still have a mother. If I would still have my son and daughter. If I would have missed all these years with them. I guess I'll never know, but I learned something very important about myself that day. I had always felt that I was pretty aware of my surroundings, pretty good at reading people, and staying safe. But because I was exhausted, and tired, and hot, and stranded in a different city, my common sense and intelligence simply left me for a bit, and wasn't working at that time. And many of my friends and family still think that our car trouble that day and my lack of awareness could easily have cost us our lives. As I was going through the comments on this story, I ran across this one, which is pretty creepy. Caitlin says, When I read this, the first person that came to my mind was Gary Michael Hilton. He's now incarcerated and will never see the light of day again. But he traveled that area and 1992 would have been his heyday. He actually didn't go to prison until 2008. But he traveled North Florida and parts of Georgia during probably the late 80s through the 2000s. He was very, very evil. And I imagine there were people killed by him that no one ever knew. I remember on one of those shows, like Unsolved Mysteries, a young woman was working late in her beauty shop, and she went missing. I think they later found out it was him. A school teacher in her 40s went missing in Florida, and not long after, a young girl in Georgia went missing on a hike, and that's what got him caught. It's sad that we have to be so vigilant with strangers, especially people who are pretending to help. Thankfully, our contributor and her children got out alive and unharmed. That's it for this episode. Don't forget to follow us over on Instagram at Nightmare Society Radio. And if you're interested in supporting the podcast, Go and check out patreon.com slash nightmare society. Links are in the description. We also sell merch on Threadless. Links to that will also be in the uh, show notes. But it is nightmaresociety.threadless.com We will be back with a regular episode the week after next. And until next time. Sweet dreams.